Welcome to So You Want to Be an Ally. We share our stories and our insights on non-Black allyship to Black women. My name is Darlene. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I help parents advocate for their Black and Brown kids' emotional and racial identity development needs. And that's because our kids deserve the opportunity to grow, learn, strive, and thrive. My name is Olani Ke. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And my life experience led me to becoming an advocate for equity in the workplace, which led me to starting a consulting business where I help workplaces who want to do better. Want to be an ally? Gather around and listen up. Okay, Darlene, our question of the day today is how would we like allies to show up or allyship to show up? So I have a number of ideas and thoughts about the how, and we've absolutely like, you know, kind of covered it and it's been woven into our previous conversations. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to narrow it down to one thing. which is what our attempt in, <laughs> in kind of really doing this particular episode is what we were trying to do. Um, and it's yeah. been a very interesting time in the world, given with all the protests and uh, things of that nature. So if I do narrow it down to one statement or phrase, I would want those individuals who identify themselves as allies to take action. Now, if you recall or if you got a chance to listen to the last post, there are individual um, actions that we take that have a larger context, meaning they influence environments, spaces, situations, dynamics, speak up in a meeting, or if you check in on a, you know, a person you identify as a person of color or an ally, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that's more external. And then there's obviously the internal work that you do. Um, But from all of it, it requires action. and so that's how I would want allyship to show up for me. I think there's always spaces and work to be done, as I've said before. And yeah. as I'm looking at kind of where we are right now, this is clearly going to be a marathon. This is not a sprint. This mm-hmm. is years and years and years of oppression, um, laws in place. Um, you know, there, there's like so much work to be done. Um, and it's such an ingrained system that right. there will be no waving of a wand and where everything is just taken care of. So mm-hmm. we know that, you know, change does not come without action. So yep. for me, that's, that's kind of a general um, statement mm-hmm. I would make about that. Um, what about you, Nikkei? Well, I was, I, down for I, I think, so what I'm hearing you say is that allies need to show up and they need to act. Yeah. They need to provide some such some sort of action to get things done, um, or to they need to provide some kind of action that pushes us towards progress. Yeah. And if I were listening to that as someone who you know maybe is is interested in in supporting the cause, I may it may sound like vague. Well, what do you mean act? You know, a bunch of people are telling me not to act just listen. I think, we, I think in the last episode, we, we talked about the importance of 
um, listening and doing the internal work mm-hmm. first. So it might be helpful for us to think about who the phases of development for an ally. <laughs> like right. if you're a beginner ally, then you should just be reading and listening and studying. But if you are an, I don't know what, what phase to call it, <laughs> upper middle level um, ally who's already done your homework and done your internal work, then you may be able to show up in some way and actually act and use your voice and privilege in a way um, to support. So, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think about how to break down that action part that you were talking about. Yeah, the researcher in me to the point taken about like the steps, right? To like really solidify this action that, you know, I described earlier. There's literature on Native Americans. There's literature clearly on Black folks. And there was actually a Black woman who had to write about white racial development because this idea of whiteness, uh, again, um, it, it's like this aloof thing that white people aren't always aware of until they come into contact with mm-hmm. it or it's brought to their attention. So, you know, just hearing you talk about these stages of action, um, it's really going to just align with where you are. So just like you pointed out, okay, like, um, we talked about, you know, the work being done amongst yourself. That's action. That's taking a step um, to acknowledge your privilege yep. and to expand your understanding of the experiences. Um, and we even talked last time about people wanting to step over that part and take the more mm-hmm. behavioral action of protesting um, while still finding themselves microaggressing against those folks who they uh, aim to help. Um, yeah. Still perpetuating some even in those spaces and traumatizing even those individuals who they want to help. Um, So the action for me, the how is taking whatever step as you asserted, um, taking the next step within the realm that you find yourself in. And I don't feel like Mm -hmm. there is, I don't feel like this is linear at all. Like, I don't feel like even as I'm thinking about our suggestions about this process, it won't be a linear thing. Um, because yeah. the more you dig into this work, even me t- learning about my own privilege, um, the more you dig into this work, the more you find yourself stepping in actual like hot spots for various groups. Um, and so the work never ends. So if you find yourself in a space where, you know, you haven't done, you haven't taken your own personal action and you're out there protesting behaviorally, um, but you haven't done any reflecting or exploring your own biases, then you're entering in my space where I don't want you because now you're going to be microaggressing against me and taking over the whole movement, centering yourself in a way that is not warranted. That is not the action I'm that takes about. That takes up more of our energy. energy. Exactly. Because we're already expending all sorts of, every, every bit of energy we have to be doing the work and now we have to correct manage you, you as well. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I guess to your point, there, there is some qualifications, right? So people like to quantify like allyship, like I've done this Mm -hmm. thing. I've done these, I've taken these number of steps. I have, I've spoken with this Mm -hmm. number of persons of color. I've done, you know, I've done these work. And so I guess I would actually add a specifier to that qualitative, like, right. Like what is, what has been the quality of your actions? Do some work around really exploring you know, in the event that you've taken on this task of allyship, 
what have you offered? And I don't mean your mm -hmm. opinions or you centering your whiteness. If we're, if you're centering the goal of what it means to support the black community or a black woman in whatever venture that you're finding yourself in, are you connected to the goal of that movement of those persons? Like what work have you done around that? That's action. Yeah. So yeah, that's, mm. that's what I would say to that. So as an ally, understand what phase you're in. Are you in the beginning? Are you in the middle? Are you towards the, the, the growing end? Because I don't think, like you said, there is no real end, but you just keep growing and developing. Right. Um, yeah, and make sure that the, the action that you're, that you're providing is in alignment with where you are in that journey so that you're not actually giving us more work to do versus right. actually helping us. Right. We got enough to do. Thank yeah. you very much. Um, As we've seen, there are still plenty of people in the world who, <laughs> who still need quote unquote proof or evidence of all the things we've been talking about. <laughs> like, what mm. do you mean? Mm -hmm. Racism? What do you mean? They're killing black people disproportionately? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. It's sad. It's a shame. Um, and it's a shame that asking our society to give a damn about the oppression of black people in all the ways that it, that it exists. It's a shame that that causes certain people to react and get super defensive and, you know, launch counterattacks. Like saying that Black Lives Matter is not saying that your life as a white person um, doesn't matter. <laughs> but as soon as you put Black in front of it, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, then that must mean for, for it's like for the Black person, for the Black community to rise and to be guaranteed, you know, equal rights, equal opportunity, equal access, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, some white people take that as a threat. Like for some, for some reason, that means that I don't matter as much anymore if you as a black person does matter. And it's so deep in the psyche of this nation um, that seeing a black person do well it's threatening or like makes you feel less of somehow not, you know, and that was, you know, it, it's, it's really informative. Like when you go back in history and you actually see how those seeds were planted and watered and cultivated, like those were messages that were explicitly and intentionally planted, um, plant, planted and shared with white people. And it's been passed down generation by generation. And that's part of like the pushback that we see. Um, is the result of that. And this is so interesting. So this is where my psychology is going to come in to provide this context. Mm -hmm. This is why people are unaware. So I've lived in Kentucky, which to me is my preferred racist because at least <laughs> I don't have to divide or try to decide or use all my mental energy to figure out whether or not you're being racist. You've let me know and now I can it's move clear. on. Right, crystal clear. <laughs> yep. Versus now me living in Michigan, where I come across all these people who swear up and down they're not racist, and yet will <laughs> microaggress against me 
quickly within Mm -hmm. matter minutes of meeting me. Right. So Mm -hmm. I speak to this difference because those, the, the, what I call the Northern races are those who have done this work to try to separate from the, what they see as the extreme racist, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the hood wearing KKK person who's burning a cross. Like this is something mm-hmm. that has been ingrained in our society. So, you know, racism or racist to most people looks like somebody who is going to wear the hood and come burn a cross on your yard. And it does not, so it does not register in people's brain that they also can be racist just because of the way those seeds were planted in their minds. So mm-hmm. for the person who hears Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter and has this, this automatic response, it's because you don't know that that, pl- that that seed that was planted told you that you were better than. Mm-hmm. So you are approaching, you are hearing that as, wait a minute, if someone is saying they matter, then your interpretation of that coming from your frame of reference of supremacy is that they must be saying that I'm, they're better than me. Mm-hmm. So if you already have that psyche of supremacy, that I am superior for someone to say that they are on equal footing to you, your registration of that is that, oh, they're saying they're superior. Yeah. You're so, threatened. No, no, you, can, you can't. Exactly. Like you're That's saying now, you're, you're as superior as I am. You're on my exactly. level. You're not consciously thinking these exactly. things. It's so deeply ingrained in yes. subtle, subtle ways. It's yes. no one may have ever said to you, yes. hey, white people are superior. But that is a but messaging you that it. you absorb by yes. growing up in this country. Yes. And so to say that this, that Black lives matter it's like, well, why am I not central? Why am I not center? What, mm-hmm. what do you mean? So you fight to center yourself, which is why what I said earlier about if you haven't done the work, don't come into my space because you don't even recognize that you're trying to center your whiteness or whatever it is your focus is. Yep. You have an automatic entitlement to, even if you're in there, quote unquote, advocating on behalf of black folks, you're even going to feel some kind of way of no one centers your idea. So now you're mm-hmm. defensive and you feel mad because no one cares oh, yeah. about what you have to say. Look at you. You've yeah. already censored yourself. That's the thing. You have been taught that every thought that you have, every idea that you have, it's great. It's important. It matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have also been taught the opposite of everyone else. So that is why when anyone tries to even get this equality, which I don't even like the word equality anymore, I often push for equity. Because if you've ever seen that meme where it talks yeah. about what equality looks like, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. I don't even get on the same mm-hmm. foot as you, even if you give me a board to make you the same height, <laughs> because I got so much stuff ready to knock the stuff from under my feet. So mm-hmm. I don't want equality. I really just want you to leave me alone and let me take advantage of the opportunities that I have access to while also dismantling all the legislation and all the pieces of the puzzle that have been put in place for people like me right. to, to, to fail in so many words. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea that people don't really pay attention to. That is the visceral, it is very visceral. I promise y'all, if y'all mm-hmm. never seen one of these videos, it comes from a core of rage. How dare you? You've got, mm-hmm. we have so much content <laughs> now, yeah. now that people are protesting. Like this one man literally took his bike and hit a young white girl within a I guess they were putting out signs about George Floyd and he got so upset he was writing his own wow. like money his own business these people are putting up papers 
And he literally was so offended that he hit that girl with his bike. Like, you have lost all humanity and care. Wow. Even white girl. Watch these videos. Right. These are right. not, lo- this is not logic. This is all emotion. <laughs> these people, hmm. you are, just by saying this, the core of a person is being attacked. So this is why we talk about white supremacy. Hmm. This superiority is like almost to the sense of like narcissism. Like when you attack uh-huh. somebody at the core, mm. you see very clear narcissistic behavior. That when you attack a narcissist, they cannot take it. And they yes, Doctor Davis. Yes, honey. Uh-huh. Yes, I'm telling y'all. Wow, I have never heard someone connect that like the way that a narcissist reacts and functions. Um, and how the, you can see the thread of the same thing in people in in white supremacy yeah. and how it shows up in people yes because Whoa. you think about think about it so this is obviously content that's floating around this i didn't come up with a new idea i am uh-huh. sharing this with you so that you can access this so you can understand these psychological and behavioral responses and so even if we go into the dialogue about whether or not racism is a mental illness it's not because it doesn't meet the three d's right so if you know anything about mental health and diagnoses you have to have a level of distress and, and there are other dynamics Mm, that must be dysfunction right so it doesn't meet that right so that's why it's not a mental illness but it's very much huge psychological parallels and and behaviors that easily coincide um so you know if we're talking about that if we're talking about this action this is why we have to get into qualifying our actions (laughs) we're not talking about what are you what boxes are you checking off how well are you reflecting? How well are you digging? How well are you really exploring and examining what's going on around you? Um, because this is, again, not a sprint. This is a marathon. And there is time if you really want it. That's why I've taken on this whole position of, like, I, I'm not teaching anybody for free. I ain't doing this. I'm not teaching mm-hmm. you anything for mm-hmm. free at this point. It's too accessible. <laughs> it's too accessible. Yeah. And we've talked about the burden that it takes on us, you know, how much it drains from us, how go out and explain and express and trying to correct and no i'm mm-mm, i'm over yeah. it i'm kind of over it so so action, if back to action if if allies understand where they are in their journey um and what phase they're in if they are able to qualify what they've done so far what action they've taken whether it's like listening and learning or showing up and supporting yeah um um black people as they're organizing or whatever yeah um it's important for them to call up to to think about how deep yeah they've done that work i think you said yeah. they need it's it's the quality of the work that they've done yes. not just that they've checked a bunch of boxes correct and that um, allows you to keep that entitlement in check because i i, I okay. put the qualification on it because yeah. part of me is also trying to educate our allies on very natural responses that are going to come up, right? And so, you know, you and I, Nikkei, talked about um, there are a number of emotions that show up when you are educating uh, white people about oppression. It automatically happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're not even aware of it. They just get swarmed mm-hmm. up in, like, they get swooped up in all this emotion. They don't even yep. know what's happening sometimes, <laughs> right? So we have mm-hmm. the defensive, the automatic defensiveness. We have the guilt. We have the shame. We have the sadness. We have the motivate. Like, I got to do something about it. We and these are all natural it. reactions. Very it's natural. It's not, it's human. If you were it attacking me on something else that was core to me, exactly. I would have the same exactly. reaction. It is a human response to something that you 
either have so core within you, something that's yeah. so woven into your yes. experience being yes. tugged out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Keep going. Keep we going. See that, right? We see that when we are like, I am a majority in religion. No one challenges right. Christianity. So, you know, that's something we see in America, right? You know um, where else it comes up if we want to go there? Cisgender. Black people. Yep. <laughs> being cisgender. Absolutely. Like being cisgendered and black people who use culture and religion to say yes. to LGBTQ yep, absolutely plus Jesus. Identifying people oh, Lord. that they need to I mean it's like that so we oh. that's how it shows up for some of us. Yes. Some, right. And I would so. even add like uh, mental illness. So we talk about mental health, right? Mm. Like you ain't praying mm-hmm. hard enough. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you got to reach out for me, right. you're not praying right. hard enough. So we, we yep. talk about abilities versus disabilities versus, you know, mental health. Um, you know, that is a privilege to be of, of, of my right mind right now. I recognize that. Um, that is yeah. a field that I work in regularly. Um, but it's not a form of weakness to be told that you are weak if you need to seek help. Like, you know, this is all, again, in the Black community. I know we, we got segways, mm-hmm. we segwaying, <laughs> but we're just, we're just yes. being transparent for our allies to understand. So when we're sharing so that you know, like we got enough battles in our own community. We ain't touch colorism. We have not touched <laughs> colorism. As two dark skinned women, <laughs> we have not even touched colorism. So yeah. we say all that to say, you know, we, we are constantly doing the work that we are asking you to do too. It's just in a different realm. In a um, different way, yep. Yeah, so, you know, this, it, it takes all of us action. We are all constantly growing and reflecting mm-hmm. and looking at the quality of of how we engage um, when we're finding ourselves in spaces to be an ally. Because I am an ally yeah. of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, yeah. And I remember taking a gender, uh, what was it? A gender and sexual orientation issues course. And we were in there like, woof. It, it got tough sometimes. Wow. <laughs> it got really tough. But I appreciated it. And I was exposed to my privilege. And I did mm-hmm. feel in that room like I was being attacked. But what, what was very interesting about that was none mm-hmm. like the white man, the cisgender white male. Wow. So this is, again, this piece <laughs> of showing. The layers. Yes. And the supremacy, yeah. the embedded supremacy, because there is a hierarchy, right? So as yep. a woman, when we even when we go back to feminism, mm-hmm. Right, yeah. there is white yeah. feminism. There is, we know it ain't it ain't for all of us. So that's like another another <laughs> podcast. Feminism um, and, and womanism. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. another Google too. If you want to look into some stuff, that's another Google. But even then, so you know, we I understand allyship from even from my position as a black woman, and yeah. sitting here saying to our allies, if you want to help, understand that we all when we're entering in spaces that are we are the minority or we are the, um, the fewer, I don't prefer minority, but when we are fewer mm-hmm. in numbers, um, it's mm-hmm. important to qualify why you're there. So what is my motivation from being there? Am I in a defensive space? Am I trying to center in what I believe is the best thing without right. asking somebody else what they need? Um, right. That's why I mean, go in there and be quiet. Like you don't walk in a room telling somebody and this ain't got no, there. Yeah. Learn. And this ain't no oppression Olympics. Like don't mm-hmm. come in here centering your oppression. I don't care that you can relate to me because you've been oppressed. I don't care. Right. Like, that's not why we're here. Yeah. So it's not the same. Whatever you it's think. Not, it's not the exactly. Same. And it's I not. and I had to acknowledge that when I was in the space when we were talking about sexual orientation and right. issues. Like it's not the same. In the same way that we understand 
allyship for a black woman, we specifically said that because allyship for a black woman is completely different than allyship for a black male. And then we get into the black LGBTQ plus community. Like these are all various issues. So I don't ever walk into uh, the arena like that and say, I know what needs to happen just because I'm a black woman because I'm oppressed too. That's not how this works. So whatever- That's not how any of this works. None of it. So whatever brings you into those spaces, make sure you're qualifying it. Make sure you're reflecting and processing it with yourself. So a couple of scenarios have come to mind as we've been talking, and they're actually scenarios where I would say an ally that's further along in their journey. Um, I would have appreciated an ally who was further along in their journey showing up. Yeah. Um, There are two stories. The first one, I was in a meeting at work. Um, it was actually a committee for diversity in, in, the, in that particular workplace. And something around merit came up. I don't remember how we even got there. And I was sitting in there going as one of very few Black people, and I think one of two Black women, um, in a room of maybe like 15 to 20 people. And it was just driving me crazy that we were talking about merit in a way, you know, that just kind of assumed that people got promoted and got opportunities based on merit mm-hmm. in our workplace. And it got to the point where I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> so, so I said something about how, you know, even, even in an organization, in a workplace where you feel like you've got all your HR performance management stuff tight and your, you know, annual reviews and all of that is, you know, top notch. There is still a piece of that, so much of that, that is still subjective. Mm-hmm. Someone still has to decide um, whether or not, first of all, your manager first has to decide what your job is and what their expectations are. And then how you're meeting them along the way. Um, over the course of the year, and if you're meeting them, and then your performance review is based on that, and then if depending on if you're in a small organization or a large organization, the layers that those reviews have to go through before they lead to uh, a, a decision whether you're going to be promoted or a decision of how much or how much of a raise um, you may or may not get. There are people decisions at all of those steps along the way, and that's all the room that bias and prejudice mm-hmm. needs to come into the picture and advantage some people and disadvantage others. So I don't care what your HR systems are. If you're not in an organization that is actively anti-racist and actively doing equity work, mm-hmm. there's no merit. You're not in a merit-based organization. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't say it in that way, but that was what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something like, you know, the concept of merit is false, even here, and everybody kind of, (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) in the room, and it was actually a black man that spoke up to challenge me in that moment, to say, well, in my experience here, you know, I don't think anyone has gotten by without, you know, being high performing, yada, 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 and so I had to respond with, you know, a little bit of context of what I meant by that and how because there's still so so much of it that is based on a human being a human being's perception of the other person that there's still room for your blind spot to impact that person for your biases to impact that person etc 
And I said, you know, if you want me to send out research and articles to you, I can. But if we are the diversity committee and we're right. having to, right, and we were shocked by this statement. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Whoa, hello. Exactly. Like, we have a lot of work to work do. To do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have any voices that actively like showed up as an ally in that moment. Mm-hmm. But I will give a little bit of credit to a white woman who jumped in. I, I think she was just reading the tension in the room and she Mm -hmm. jumped in to say you know something about I don't know what she said probably just like thank you for sharing that I think that's important for us to continue to think about acknowledgement yes um and I appreciated that and I was like it that is such a simple base level concept that a workplace is not 100% merit-based that it floored me that it was I mean I guess I knew that it was going to be as touchy as it was because it took me a lot of mental gymnastics and a lot of like figure out how to say it to figure out like should am i going to say this yep and then how do i say it which is a reflection Um, of the environment right that's not mm -hmm. something that you felt naturally you could openly say i could just openly right you've had experiences that you've picked up on that suggest the environment doesn't absolutely i mean and, and and I was proven right, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody gasped and nobody knew what to say. <laughs> and then, you know, and then the brother speaks up and says, <laughs> no. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Really? That's another conversation. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, another conversation. It is. But that was an example. The, the second example, I think, is um, my social media activity is, I don't know. Sometimes I have the energy for it. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> we all... <laughs> The energy. I like how you put that. And <laughs> and um, and I really don't ever go in into back and forth conversation with people. It's just not my strength. It's I don't have the energy for it. I don't think that that is the best place to have, particularly to have conversations about inequity and racism and oppression. Like it's just we need to have a back and forth in real life. Why? About what do you think about that? those conversations? Because so much is lost in translation yeah. when you're typing back and forth. Yeah. And I mean, I see some people do it really well, where they're able to say, um, to to sort of offer grace to the other person and say, "I'm not mm. sure if this is what you meant, but it sort of comes mm. off as this." And if so, then this and this and this. However, then I'm like, "Oh my god!" So I, much. I can't. I the, just the mental gymnastics you just described is similar to what you did in that meeting. <sighs> So it sounds like it's just as tiring for you to even do that it's, on social media. Yeah. 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 So sometimes I'll put reflections on social media. I'll say a little bit of something, but the, it's just the back and forth engagement, which is like the game of social media is engagement. <laughs> like you got to uh-huh. go back and forth to get more eyes and to, to have, you know, whatever the social media um, tool is, put your stuff in front of more eyes. But I digress. So, um, on LinkedIn, I saw a post by someone that's in my network about um, an awful experience that she had going snowboarding somewhere where it snows a lot, where there's not many black people. Um, <laughs> and she was going through a personal, um, like a, a life-changing health issue, like personal issue, and decided I'm still going to go and take this trip that I've planned in spite of this you know, diagnosis that I just got. And then she ends up um, facing um, or kind of being, I I would say assaulted. I mean, she wasn't Mm -hmm. physically assaulted, but 
but emotionally, psychologically assaulted oh, because she, she was basically challenged for being at the hotel that she was in, even though you can easily go in and ask the people at the front desk, am I, is this my room and am I here? Um, yeah. Someone called the police, the police showed up and oh, it was just goodness. awful. It was just awful. And I'm reading this and for some reason, her post just really got to me and it triggered a response. So I responded to her post and just like, I, what a nightmare that you had to go yes. through. Um, and it brought up something in me that I don't talk about a lot, which is the fact that in spite of my enjoyment of nature, I, li- I feel like when I'm in, in the, when I'm by water in nature with trees, I feel like I'm like the closest to like my soul. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I, I'm closer to God. Like it helps me center myself and yes. regroup. Um, now, mind you, I need to have my anti, you know, bug spray <laughs> and everything on, <laughs> but I like being out there. Um, it's the sacrifices. Yes, yes. And I, and I don't, but I don't go out there. There's so many oh. times where people, other people around me are talking about, oh, you know, we're going to rent a cabin and we're going to go out for a mm-hmm. week. And I'm like, oh, that would be so nice. A cabin up in Asheville, North Carolina by the water. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, wait a minute. And how many... How much woodland is around that yep. cabin before the next yep. person? Um, yep. And if somebody came for me and my family, like, would yep. anybody hear us screaming and come oh. run? Like, you, <laughs> you know, so like, I have to think about what it means to be black and trying to yes. go out in the woods and how there is actually a level of putting myself at risk. Yes. Whether it's just by other um, people that are in that space that are looking and staring and questioning or whether it's something as extreme as somebody calling the police because they have some yep. kind of concern, whether yep. it's valid or not. Um, yep. Hashtag look up Central Park yep. um, bird watching incident and you'll know what I mean. Hashtag um, so Ahmaud Aubrey running in his neighborhood, jogging. Right, right. <laughs> all of that. So okay. so anyway, I, I said a little something on this post. Long story short, because... <laughs> Um, a couple of people responded on LinkedIn. I put a short post, just a little blurb on LinkedIn about how it just doesn't feel safe for me. And it's, you know, I feel like it deprives me of something that I don't Mm. feel like I can just go and do those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and a couple of people posted and, um, someone suggested an organization called Outdoor Afro that I need to look up. And a couple of people have suggested that. So I'm going to, I'm going to look them up. Uh, There's another one, Girl Trek, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, that's um that's another one that that has come up so here comes a white man at least that's what the profile picture um is that's that's what i'm reading and seeing from the profile picture who says after all of that um i wouldn't consider it white space because i think i said something oh. about my experiences have taught me that this, these are white spaces and i don't know mm. like, i belong where i'm welcomed or whatever mm-hmm. and he said something about i wouldn't consider these white spaces these spaces mm. are for everyone and then mm. suggest that i come visit his part of, of his neck of the woods oh <laughs> his part of, that's not what he said those are my neck i of know the woods but, words, but like, it's, what's funny is that that's how you interpreted it you know wherever so it was just it just caught me off guard, like, huh? And yeah. I was like, okay, benefit of the doubt. Let's let's offer uh, a little bit of grace. Let me reread what he just wrote and try to remove my emotion from it. And so I reread kind. it, and I'm like, okay, if I'm giving him like all of the grace in the world, <laughs> I could read. A lot. I could interpret this right. I could interpret this as 
he's trying to make me feel better and wants me to be welcome and doesn't want this to be a barrier to me being out in the woods. And his like, the outdoors is for everyone. Don't you think I know that, sir? I know the outdoors you- is for everyone. Mm. <laughs> That's so, not what I'm talking about here. I feel like you just got all lives mattered. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just turned it into a verb. I'm black. I don't feel safe in the matter. woods. The woods is for everyone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all lives matter. This is for oh, everyone. Man. We care about, bruh. You, and so, I, you know, and I feel like that may be somebody who really much, who really, that may be someone who feels like they're an ally. I could see mm-hmm. someone who hasn't done mm-hmm. their work showing mm-hmm. up in a space and thinking that you're actually being an ally and saying, don't think about it as white space, boo-boo. It's for all of us. Mm-hmm. Come. You haven't, addre- you haven't addressed the heart of my post. And yes. My angst and my lack of safety when I'm in that space. Yes. Um, at all. At in, all. in fact, you're inviting me to come and get more trauma. <laughs> in his neck of the woods. <laughs> in your neck of the woods. Um, so those, both of those examples were coming up. Yes. Um, and, you know, I feel like in the workplace example, if someone had spoken up and said, I see your point, I see what you're saying, um, as a manager or as managers, as leaders, there are lots of places where our bias can creep in. And I think that's mm-hmm. the place that we should all think about as a diversity yes. committee. We should think about um, how do we educate our leaders yes. and managers so that yes. they are aware that they have biases and they should be really careful about how they um, manage people and how they give feedback and how, you know, how they go through the, the performance cycle. <laughs> Of, yes. and, and how much power they really do have in determining who gets further along in the workplace and who doesn't. I don't know. That was probably a lot. <laughs> that would have yes. been a lot for someone to say. But if someone had said that, it would have been fantastic. Yep. If someone had said, hmm, you know, I never thought about it that way before, yep. but I really want to look more into that. Yes. That would, even that would have been yes. fantastic. And you know what I like about that last one? The simplicity of it, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the things we talked about, the how, the quality, right? The quantity. So yeah. we're not looking for super eager cape, people with capes on to just like know all the literature and know all of the experience and just simply acknowledging like the example that you use with the post, like just acknowledging like other people had done before he asserted himself that, no, everything is fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fine out Mm -hmm. here for all of us. Like, that would be ideal, right? Just simply saying, hey, that must be tough. Um, Or, wow, I'd never even consider that. Like, in such brevity, like, Mm -hmm. the brevity of it is just like, Mm -hmm. that's what you do um, to just anchor the experience. And, of course, you can only do that if you truly understand. So, again, it goes back to this idea of, what kind of quality of work have you done with yourself? Have you done? You examine mm-hmm. these, these experiences, the, the possibility. Like, um, yeah. even the Black guy, I know that's a whole nother, um, whole nother <laughs> yeah. podcast, but, you know, even for the Black man to speak up, like, clearly he wasn't aligning himself with those experiences, mostly because mm-hmm. he has centered himself in his experience, which kept yep. him away from accessing the possibility that there are other experiences. And so yeah. again, looking at the quality, right? Like allyship yeah. work is done around the possibility or potential 
for those things that we know exist in the world to occur in the space that we're talking about. That's what it's about. It's, a not, it's not about confirming or denying the presence of anything. Mm-hmm. It's about acknowledging the potential and doing the work around assuring that what happened in the past doesn't continue going on. That's literally what our work is. Acknowledging the potential. I love that. That's baseline. Just acknowledge baseline. That's it. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. But here, here is where I about earlier. The black man and the white man. There's some defensiveness there. There was defensiveness with the black man. Right. I'm I I again, this is my psychology. I promise you I'm not guessing. If I talk to him, yeah, I can't imagine what it felt like for him to be the black guy in the room. Everybody look at him like, do you agree? Do you agree with what she's saying? And he felt and like he feeling compelled. <laughs> <laughs> because it's hard for him too. <laughs> it's hard to be a black man and you it's one of two two of y'all. Like, I get it. I understand. Nothing wrong there. And even for that white hmm. man to face and feeling like the world is looking at them and they're like, Well, no, that's not what's going on. The hmm. same people, the same exact response. That is a natural defensiveness that you're going to have to push through because it's going to come up automatically. This is the psychology behind this. Yep. Wow. Let's talk about what we want our allies to consider, even though I think we've done it all throughout (laughs) the conversation so far. Yes, ma'am. So for me, my considerations are kind of what I was saying before. Like you really want to understand that there are levels to this, right? It's not about quantity, it's about quality. There are things that happen on an interpersonal level where it's your interactions with individuals, right? Like you Uh described your interactions in the room and your meeting, um, your individual interaction with people on LinkedIn, like those are your networks, right? So that's the interpersonal interaction with others. And then there's the intrapersonal, internal, processing and dialogue. So I guesstimated what the black guy was going through, just like I guesstimated what the white guy was going through, right? Uh But if we got a chance to talk to them, I promise you, it would fall somewhere in that realm of the work they've done internally or continuing to do around what it means to live in a system of where you learn that you were better or less than, right? We're dealing with both of those at the same time. And how do you deal with that? Be mindful, be aware that there are levels to this and you will be able to engage based on your action. Like what is the quality of the action you're taking to understand the system and understand your interaction with these systems. And more importantly, understand that as an ally, we're not looking to be saved. We are a resilient folk and we got the tools, but we yeah. understand the necessity of an ally. Like there are, there are strength in numbers and there, there is a power dynamic that we must recognize. And mm-hmm. as an ally, you are a function and a part of the power system. Right. And by you acknowledging that, you then too can join the, the system, not censoring yourself, but join and align mm-hmm. with, the, with the system. And this is how allyship works. This is how mountains are moved. So what would you say? What would be your consideration that you would like hone in on as we close? There are so many. I think I would want anyone who is who sees themselves as an ally or is starting the ally journey mm-hmm. or anywhere, anyone who is anywhere on the ally journey mm-hmm. to understand that 
acknowledging whatever is happening in the space is baseline allyship. Um, acknowledging and affirming uh-huh. is the next level. Uh-huh. Um, and doing it with brevity so that you don't take up a whole lot of space and then turn whatever has just happened around and make it about you uh-huh. is, a, is an important part of that, which is exactly what you just said about centering. Because uh-huh. um, I've, I've seen that happen uh-huh. a lot. Yep. Um, um, well-intentioned, well-meaning folks. They just, you could tell the absolutely. level of work they've done. Like you can tell absolutely. no one has introduced them to some of these ideas. And- yeah. Yep. And I think that um, the question we started with is, how would we like allyship to show up? And I would say when it matters. What I mean by that is the story that I told about the workplace meeting where I actually got like a defensive response from the man and then the woman kind of acknowledged it just to move on. It wasn't like an acknowledgement of what you said just to wrap up and shift (laughs) was was really what it was. A couple of people came to me after the meeting and said, I really love what you said. Hmm. Ma'am, you couldn't have said <laughs> that. That would have been nice. <laughs> that would have been nice. That would have been nice to hear that. Um, <laughs> it would have been nice to hear it during the meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when it would have mattered, which is why, which is why I said when it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on who it, you know, and I know everyone has to do their their cost benefit calculations. If you feel like you're on shaky ground at work, you may not want to be the one to ruffle the feathers or to like support the person that's ruffling the feathers, uh-huh. which is usually me. Um, so that's fine. I get that. <laughs> um, but if you can, do it when it matters. Do it when other people are there to witness it and, and model it because the more that that happens, the more people will have the, the, the courage to step up in the moment when it matters. Um, exactly. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. There's been a lot that we've shared um, over the course of this conversation. I hope this is really helping people think about um, where they are on their journey, the quality of the work that they're doing, how they're showing up, how much or how little space um, they're taking up, and and all the different ways that they can uh, support progress. Shall we end with a quote? We shall. What do you have for us today? My quote today is from Rachel Cargill. I hope I'm saying her name right. The last name. I think the same thing too. I always think that. She's from Ohio. Hey. Um, Oh, the other thing. um, So I think we we shared in, in one of the previous episodes that Darlene and I met while we were in college. ASU, Kentucky State University in Kentucky, but we actually both went to high school in Cincinnati, Ohio. So we sure did. There's, there's, I there's Ohio, that. Right? There's an Ohio connection. Oh my goodness. Um, so shout out to our Ohio sister, um, Rachel Cargill. She's amazing. She's an expert she voice. Is. She keeps it 100% real. Yep. That's right. She keeps it 100. And she, <laughs> and, and she go ahead. She, She's very, she's educated. So a little bit about her backstory is she was in academia and she was like, hell no. <laughs> and so she exited academia and was mm-hmm. just like, this is how we're going to do it. And so I absolutely align with her having my own personal yeah. experience. 
um, in that realm, um, having, I told you guys, like the yeah. systems that we have to navigate, it gives us so much context. The PhD journey. Oh, that could God. be a whole nother it is. episode. Because all is. the PhDs that we know, uh, every Black woman PhD uh, has a similar story. Like, uh, what is going on? It like, is it's like the system is set up to intentionally push you out. Yes. It's unbelievable. It is crazy. I, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. yes, I just want to give that a little tidbit. <laughs> so look her up because she's not only yes. is she 100% truthful, but she, you know, she has the context. Like she's, she's got the details. She's of, an historian. Yes. yes. She's awesome. Um, she's awesome. So this is, this is um, her quote and it reads, I don't want your love and light if it doesn't come with solidarity and action. I have no interest in passive empathy. End quote. Action. <laughs> That's what I heard. Yes. We don't want your passive yes. empathy. I don't want that. I, I, I yeah. love it. I yeah. Love it. So, okay. Well, until next time, beauties. That's it. All right. All right, folks, we're going to end it there for now. We want to make sure we hear from you. So send us a note or your thoughts on the question of the day. And if you want to speak to us on a topic, send it our way. You can find us on our social media platform at wannabeanally or email us at wannabeanally at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to So You Want to Be an Ally wherever you get your personal podcasts. You can find me, Alani Kent, at my website, www.mosaicforequity.com. That's mosaic, M-O-S-A-I-C, four, as in the digit four, equity, E-Q-U-I-T-Y. Follow me on Facebook and on LinkedIn at Mosaic for Equity. You can find me with that handle and on Instagram as well. You can find me, Darlene, at my website, www.parentszonellc.com. And follow me on Facebook at Donnie Davis. That's D-A-U-N-I and Parent Zone LLC. And on Instagram at PZ Parenting Coaching. All right, we're out. Bye. <laughs>